Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, morning everybody. You know, last week we talked about how Jesus faced opposition from a group of religious Jews. What they did is they humiliated a woman who was caught in adultery. They set her up. In fact, they were even willing and ready to kill her if that's what it took to trap Jesus. And then we saw that Jesus actually defeated their trap and set this woman free in the truest sense of the word. It's amazing, though, because today as we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, as we pick up where we left off in John chapter 8, we're going to see that Jesus is again facing opposition. And it got me thinking, like, how much of the story of Jesus is about him dealing with opposition? And I came up with a pretty scientific response, and the answer is a lot, a lot. Say, so could you be more specific, Mike? An awful lot. An awful lot of the story of Jesus is about him dealing with opposition. And it really matters to you. It really impacts my life. Because the truth is, Jesus stepped into human history to save us. He died on a cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be clean, so that we could have a brand new start. But he also stepped into human history to lead us. Not only did Jesus die, but he rose again. And his invitation is, hey, follow me. Follow me into life. We talked about it last week. One of the ways that Jesus expressed that invitation was to say this, hey, let's live in the light. Let's live in the light. That's the invitation. But I would suggest this, that if Jesus spent so much of his story facing opposition, as you and me, as we follow in his footsteps into the light, we too must expect opposition. I don't think that's news to anybody here, you know? And if it is, I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to face some opposition, okay? That's just the way it's going to be. So this really applies to all of us. I want to ask you today, let's lean in. Let's lean in. If you haven't silenced your phones yet, it would be great if you could do it. I should add, after first service, if you've set an alarm to go off right in the middle of church, and it takes you 10 to 11 minutes to figure out that it's actually your phone that's going off, that would be great too. Just amazing. We could get that sorted. That was awesome. Hey, and if you, uh, if you don't mind trying to just stick with us here to the end of the service, I don't want you to miss anything. I also don't want the person beside you and behind you to miss anything. Now, I may, I may make you mad a little bit a couple times in this service, so if you have to storm out, you can storm out later. But so far, I've been really, really good. Okay? John chapter 8, starting verse 12. Jesus once again addressed them. I am the world's light. No one who follows me stumbles around in the darkness. I provide plenty of light to live in. The Pharisees objected. All we have is your word on this. We need more than this to go on. You have my word, said Jesus, and you have the word of the Father who sent me. They said, where is this so-called father of yours? Then he went over the same ground again. I'm leaving you and you were going to look for me, but you're missing God in this and are headed for a dead end. There is no way you can come with me. The Jews said, so he's going to kill himself? Is that what he means by you can't come with me? 
Jesus said, you're tied down to the mundane. I'm in touch with what is beyond your horizons. You live in terms of what you can see and what you can touch. I'm living on other terms. I told you that you were missing God in all this. You're at a dead end. If you won't believe I am who I say I am, you're at the dead end of sins. You're missing God in your lives. When he put it in these terms, many people decided to believe. Jesus said, hey, why don't you live in the light? Why don't you live in the light? It's an invitation and not an injunction. That's really, really important. To understand today's sermon, you must understand this. When Jesus said, come, follow me, it was always an invitation. When he said, why don't you live in the light? It was always an invitation and not an injunction. Here's what I mean. He didn't say you got to, he said you get to. His invitation into the light was not a got to, it was a get to. You get to live in the light. It's a place of blessing where you are blessed and you actually are a blessing. It's a place of purpose. Not only do I experience blessing, but I extend it. You don't got to. You get to. Absolutely crucial to understand. It's an invitation that Jesus extended, not an injunction. You don't got to. You get to. I spent some time last summer thinking about what it looks like for you and me, specifically, to live in the light. Chilliwack, BC, Canada, 2023. What does it look like to live in the light? Southside Church. Took it real seriously, you know? Because we need to understand the church is not a what, the church is a who. Let me put that a different way. The church is not a building or an online platform. Well, I am glad you're here or watching online. That's great. The church is so much more than that. The church is a people. The Bible calls us God's people. That person after person after person after person is called together into a people. So then what does it look like for you and me to accept this invitation of Jesus, to actually live in the light, and I feel like, it took me a while, I feel like I came up with three words that kind of describe it. Kind, bold, and real. What's proof? What's evidence that you and me are living in the light? Not because we got to, because we get to. Well, we're kind, we're bold, and we're real. So what does it mean to be kind? Well, on a personal level, maybe you've heard us talk about this before. Philo of Alexandria said, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. It's a really beautiful thing, right? To understand before I answer my spouse in this moment, before I make that decision, before I respond to that relative stranger, be kind, everyone you meet is fighting a great battle too. But I got to thinking, okay, if, if that's what it looks like personally, what does it look like as a people? Together. And I got to think that, I think it means that we're generous and we love. Generosity and love, generosity and love, generosity and love are ways that we can extend kindness. Generosity and love. It's funny because Every once in a while, I'll come across somebody who says that Jesus stepped into human history to lower the bar. 
right? That, that the God of the Old Testament was kind of a grumpy bunny. You know what I mean? Kind of, kind of a meanie. And then Jesus stepped into human history to say, whoa, chill out. This whole, you know, the bar is way too high. I'm going to lower it for you to make it way better. Stop. Fundamental error. Jesus' invitation to live in the light. Is it because he got to or he get to? It's because he get to. So why in the world would Jesus step into human history to lower the bar? If that bar is blessing, why would Jesus lower it? He wouldn't. Fundamental error when we start to talk like that. Now Jesus did flip the script. He actually raised the bar and he flipped the script. He raised the bar and he flipped the script. What I mean by he flipped the script is Jesus made it really clear that we don't need to earn God's love. We just accept it. We don't need to achieve God's love. So we don't have to love other people. We don't have to be generous. We don't have to keep laws. We don't need to do any of that. We don't need to achieve God's love. We need to receive it. Jesus flipped the script and then he raised the bar. And he says, if you receive my love, something's gonna change inside of you. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and slowly but surely, I'm gonna enable you to actually raise the bar of blessing in your life. Not because you got to, but because you get to. That's right, so generosity is a big deal, you know? The same people who say that Jesus came into human history to kind of lower the bar, they'll say something like this. They'll say, well, you know, in the Old Testament, they believed in something called a tithe. You know what I mean? A tithe. A tithe is when you bring back the first tenth of what God blessed you with financially to the church, and then God blesses the rest. And then Jesus stepped into human history and said, hey, we're going to lower that bar. Just do what you want. When Jesus invites us into the light... Do we got to or do we get to? Oh, we get to. Okay. So the bar is blessing. The bar is blessing. So he wouldn't lower the bar, would he? It's interesting because Jesus came to save us and to lead us. So then I read John 3, 16. Assuming that we're following the footsteps of Jesus, okay? John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. What did God give? His son. What did Jesus give? Yeah, everything. And we're following in his footsteps. Like, I guess I would find it somewhat hard to believe that Jesus would look at the world of 2023, a world, incidentally, with more humanitarian, more physical, more spiritual needs than the world has ever experienced. And at the same time, a Western church that, relatively speaking, is more affluent than any culture in all of human history. And so you know what we're going to do? Lower that bar. Especially in light of the fact that the bar is what? The bar is blessing. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody come to me who's been blessed by the generosity of Southside Church. Because this is who we are, <laughs> Right? The bar is blessing. Like for us, when we look back at the Old Testament, 10%, that's just a starting point. We're following in the footsteps of the most generous person who has ever lived. But every once in a while, I'll have somebody come to me who's been blessed by the generosity of Southside Church, and they'll say, where do you guys get your money? Does the government give you money? No, they don't. No, they do not. They don't. They do not give us money. They could. That would be wonderful. Write your MP. No, don't. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. 
when we extend generosity, it's just because we're a generous people. Like people sitting here in these seats, people watching online right now. Somewhere along the line, they decide, listen, that, that Jesus says, why don't you live in the light? Not because he got to, because he get to. And then you will be blessed, and you will be a blessing. Generosity and love. Jesus raised the bar on love. Not because you got to, because you get to. Back in the third book of the Bible, the book of Leviticus, we first read the golden rule. Jesus quotes it again in Matthew chapter 7. Golden rule says, do to others what you would want others to do to you. That's a golden rule. Jesus raises the bar on that. Just before he's arrested, he sits his disciples down. He says, hey, let's raise the bar. This is what Jesus says. Think about, think about the golden rule and think about what Jesus said. As I have loved you, love one another. He raised the bar. Love others the way that you love you. Oh, you don't always love you enough. You shouldn't have had that second dessert last night, and you know it. That wasn't a smart choice. I'm totally kidding. You're fit as a fiddle, okay? Um, but <laughs> Jesus says, no, we're going to raise the bar. It's a really interesting concept. Jesus says, I, I, want, I want the calling card in your life. I, I, want, I want the calling card of my church to be love. They'll, they'll look at you, and they'll see radical love. Hasn't always worked that way. There's a lot of people walking around in our world today pretty wounded. Because they've come to the church expecting love. But they didn't get it. Leaves them confused, you know? There's a friend of mine, young woman. Her and her family just started coming to church for the first time few months ago, coming to Southside and just really got to know Jesus, you know, realized how much he loved them and, and they loved them back and they're taking all these kind of radical next steps and just doing an amazing job. So I talked to her on Friday of last week. I said, how you doing? How's everything going? She, go, she says, I'm struggling. I'm really rattled. I said, why? What's going on? What happened? She said, oh, I ran into these Christians who said, uh, I can't be a Christian unless I believe in a literal six-day creation. No, they, they said that. I said to her, have they ever read Psalm 90? Or 2 Peter? Where it says that to God a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So you're telling me that they know the mind of God. They're absolutely, positively sure that they can tell you that the, the world is only a few thousand years old. And if you don't believe that, you can't believe in Jesus. You can't be saved. What an unkind thing to say. I'm not taking sides on that. I don't really know. I don't know the mind of God. But I do know this. To him, a day is a thousand years, a thousand years. He stands above and beyond and outside of time and space. Do you get that? And let's say they're right, though. Let's say they're right. Romans 10 verse 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be... How dare you? 
How dare someone speak for God? How dare someone add a frame around that beautiful, most beautiful of all beautiful pictures called the gospel? How dare they? See, it's tough because the church traditionally hasn't always been known for our love. We haven't always extended the calling card that we should. At Southside, we try to. It's weird because they say there's a lot of people in the world today that won't set foot in church. And the reason they won't set foot in church, it's not because they don't believe what we believe. There's a lot of people in the world today, there's a lot of people in this city today, there's a lot of people in your neighborhood today, maybe there's a lot of people in your family today, and they won't set foot in church, not because they don't believe what the church believes, The world is more spiritually open in 2023 than it ever has been. You know why so many people won't set foot in church in 2023? Listen to this. Because they don't think, they don't think, they don't think the church believes what the church says it believes. Because somewhere deep down inside, they know innately our calling card is supposed to be what? Love. And they don't see it. How does it happen? I think it happens when maybe the church starts being all about what they're against. What happens in your life when you become all about what you are against, when you become all about what you are against, when you become all about what you are against, always, 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 the what becomes a who, always. When you live your life as a person or as a people, All about what you are against, the what always becomes a who. So we made a decision years ago that we're going to be very, very, very intentional to make sure we're always all about what and who we are for. That's why every once in a while you'll see someone walking around here with a t-shirt that says, we are for this city. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. We don't always get it right, but we're for the city. We're for marriages. We're for families. We're for kids. We're for hope. We're for grace. We're for love. We're for kindness. And I'll tell you something amazing that's happened over this last stretch of years at Southside Church. There's people that don't believe what we believe, but they step through these doors. Why? Because they know. They've seen it. They've seen the generosity. They've seen the love. And they know. that we believe what we say we believe. We're kind, we're kind. Secondly, we are bold, bold. Get to dare greatly. We don't got to, but we get to, you know? We get to dare greatly. Dare greatly in our generosity, dare greatly in preaching the gospel. We get to dare greatly, and then we have eternity to look back at those moments, and I don't think we'll ever regret it. Daring greatly. I don't think we'll ever look back and go, oh man, I wish I would have played it safe. I just don't think we will ever do that. Joshua 1 verse 9 says this, Be bold and strong. Banish fear and doubt. For remember, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You want to live in the light? You don't got to. But you get to. Well, we're going to be kind. We're going to be bold. And finally, we're going to be real. We're going to be real. There's kind of two sides to being real. Side one. Side A. It's like the old cassette tape. You know what a cassette tape is? No, you don't. So I'm not talking to you anymore. Okay? (laughs) Side A. 
It's a really cool illustration, okay? Side A says this. Um, I'm going to tell the truth about myself. Side B, though. Side B is pretty cool. Side B says this. And then I'm going to become my true self. Right? Right? So I'm going to tell the truth about myself. Right? I'm not a Christian superstar. I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not. I'm not going to go around pretending, you know, man, God looked uh, across the world for somebody who was like morally upright, who dotted every I and crossed every T, a Christian superstar in the making, and he picked me, and every day he tells me how lucky he is to have me on his team. You were a wingnut before you met Jesus. Just admit it, okay? So tell the truth about yourself, and then when you do that, it starts there, always starts there, little by little, moment by moment, moment by moment, we become the people we were created to be. We become our true selves. It's one of the reasons why Brianna did a great job talking about it. I won't go on and on about it, but I do this every morning. And my goal is just this. Little by little, little step by little, step by little I got a lot of room to grow. So make sure you grab one of these. I was going to say, if you didn't get one when you walked in, because Dave said they ran out, I was going to give you mine. That would be generous, wouldn't it? But I don't... Okay, you didn't get one? Here you go. What was that? Oh yeah, that's generous. I, I, hey, and I didn't want to. I was going to make a joke and, because I, I was so excited about right anyway. So I bet I can get a copy somewhere. Where was I? I'll be real. Um, I was just trying to think as I was praying for us today. Because right, this is not a what, this is a who. This is us. This is, we're people, you know? Saying, what's the, what's the hinge? What's the hinge and all that? I, I want to be kind. I do. I want to be bold. I want to be real. What's the hinge? And I think the hinge is humility. I think it all starts there. You know? Be, because how, how am I kind? Well, Philippians chapter 2 says this. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. That in humility I value others above myself. How am I bold? Well, I'm bold and strong. I banish fear and doubt. Why? Because I remember the Lord, my God, is with me wherever I go. That's humility. How do I really become my true self? Well, it starts here. (laughs) It's humility. I just tell the truth about myself. So I want to talk to you about three types of humility. I think if we're going to live in life, we don't got to, but we get to. I think we want to be in this place where we are blessed and we are a blessing. I think we need three levels of humility. And the first one is called personal humility. Personal humility. It's pretty sad watching these religious leaders. They're so quick to judge everybody. They're willing to kill that woman. They're always pointing fingers. They become enemies of Jesus because he healed someone on the wrong day. When we all know, looking from that perspective, what's the greatest thing that these guys could have done? Have a good look at yourself. Have some personal humility. You know, back in the early 1900s, the London Times sent a question out to all the greatest leading thinkers of the day. And the question was really simple. The question was this, what's wrong with the world today? What's wrong with the world today? The answers to that simple question were incredibly complex. And yet the most profound answer they got was also the shortest. The Christian philosopher G.K. Testron set this response. 
in response to your question of what is wrong with the world today, I am, yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. That's beautiful. Right? Instead of me worrying first about the darkness out there, I think I'll start here. When I live in the light, I start here. I think there's an opposition force to personal humility, and I think it's called denial. Denial just says, I got nothing to worry about. I don't have to change. I'm perfect. The only reason we live in denial, I guess, would be perspective. Like from the 30,000 foot level, if I say to you, hey, are you perfect, faultless, blameless in every way? You would say, no, of course not. But you know what I struggle with? I don't struggle with the 30,000 foot level. You know what I sometimes struggle with? The granular level, where I live my life level. Because sometimes it's really hard to say sorry. Sometimes it's really hard to admit I'm wrong. Sometimes it's almost as if, almost as if, I think I'm blameless, faultless. Perfect in every way. Denial. Maybe it's from excuses, you know? It's really easy to blame other people, blame my parents, my spouse, my boss, the government. There's probably something to it, right? I mean, we live in an imperfect world surrounded by imperfect people, so if you're looking for people to blame for your problems, there's probably plenty of people to blame. But it seems kind of depressing to me to cede control of my past, present, future, and my destiny to other people. Personal humility says this. Hey, I get it. No, I know. Let's start here. Excuses can keep us from doing that. Blaming. You're a terrible tipper. You're a terrible tipper. Well, I'm Dutch, you know. What do you expect? I'm a Dutch. <laughs> I make fun of Dutch people a lot. I get away with it because I am Dutch. But let me say this. It's weird because some of the most generous people I have ever met in my entire life happen to be Dutch. So you can't use that as an excuse when you go out for lunch after church today. Tip huge, tell them you're from Southside Church. You see, what's kind of depressing, right? Like, what's wrong with the world today? I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. No, it's not depressing, it's incredible. Isn't it amazing? Because when I start with personal humility, this is what happens. I understand that this phrase that you hear sometimes when people say the best is yet to come, the best is yet to come, it's not just theoretical. It's not just historical. It's not just philosophical. It's actually personal. It applies to me. The best is yet to come for me. I got room to grow. I got mountains to climb and things to change and the news is good. So we need personal humility. Second, we need relational humility. Relational humility just says this, we really are better together. We're created in the image of a relational God. We need each other, and yet we're constantly going to be opposed by isolation. Isolation. There's lots of reasons that people give for isolation nowadays. Some people say it's because of COVID, like people haven't got over it, and I get that, I do. Some people say it's because of social media, you can have thousands of friends but no real friends, right? I was just thinking this week, though, two kind of overarching reasons that kind of draws us into isolation. And I would say it's playing games and calling names. 
The game that we play sometimes that forces us into isolation is called the scarcity game. The scarcity game says this. There's only so much good stuff to go around, so if you do well, it threatens me. The scarcity game is where jealousy and insecurity and unhealthy competition comes from. The scarcity game. And it manifests itself in all kinds of different ways. It can be something as simple as this. You're talking, but I'm not listening. I'm not listening, I just want you to finally shut up because I got something really good to say. Would you just please shh, because I, right? Then it gets a little more serious when you start to treat people well, not because you're, you're being kind, but just because you think you can get something from them. Or if somebody opposes you or someone threatens you, you just make it your point to end them. Gossip, slander, whatever it takes. It's really powerful to look at what the religious Jewish leaders have decided to do to Jesus. They're playing games, right? They decided that his love and his mercy and his grace threatens their power, so they're going after him. They start to call him names. They say to him, hey, just where is this father of yours anyways? Um, if you're somewhat familiar with the Christmas story, you might know what they're saying there. So Jesus' mother was Mary. Mary was engaged to this guy named Joseph. She got pregnant, but she was a virgin. It was a miracle. It was a fulfillment of prophecy that said Jesus would be born fully God and fully man. And so she went to Joseph and said, hey, turns out I'm pregnant. We haven't had sex, but I didn't cheat on you. It's a miracle. And Joseph said, I don't believe you. And I'm going to end the engagement. And then God appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, no, Joseph, Mary didn't cheat on you. She's going to give birth to a son. Call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. But that story has kind of stuck around. And when the religious leaders look at Jesus that day, and they said, just where is this father of yours anyways? Can we please understand? We've sanitized this a little bit in our English Bibles. I want you to understand what they were saying. See, there was a rumor that they had started, that they had perpetuated, which said this. Oh, we know who Jesus' father is. It's a Roman soldier. It's a Roman soldier that was passing through, had an affair with Mary, and then disappeared. And so what they're saying to Jesus is, we can't listen to you. People can't listen to you because you're a bastard. That's what they were saying. And then they went on and said, you're also a weirdo because now you're talking about killing yourself. It's so tragic because there he stands. The son of God the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he loves them and knows what they need more than anything else in that moment is to know him, to have a relationship with him, and yet they're playing games and they're calling names. It's tragic. It's tragic when you and me do it too. This is where racism comes from, by the way. Right? Oh, you know people from that country. <laughs> you know people with that skin color. You know people from there, right? No, I don't. Do you? Do you? Have you got to know them? That's where sexism comes from. Women, am I right? I'm not sure, are you? It's where political hatred comes from. Hey, Daddy, who are those people over there? Well, son, those are liberals. <laughs> what are liberals, Daddy? Well... They're deranged snowflakes. 
who want to give everybody a participation trophy and in their animalistic urges to have absolutely no moral compass are going to destroy our society. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Mommy, who are those people over there? Well, those are conservatives, honey. Well, what are conservatives? Oh, well, they're backwoods redneck hillbillies <laughs> with no IQ who want to bring us back to the 1950s. Thanks, that's good to know. That's good to know. Good to know. Maybe you should get to know them. See, relational humility says this. I'm going to live my life seeking first to understand before I'm worried about being understood. And the third level of humility is simple. It's just spiritual humility. See, personal humility says this. The, be the best is yet to come for me too. Relational humility says, I'm going to seek first to understand before I worry about being understood. Spiritual humility says this. What I need more than anything else in my life is the script to be flipped. See, the Bible says that God has placed eternity in the heart of every person. I love that. And I think it's so true. I do, no matter where you're watching from online or here in person, this is your first time or your 400th, I believe that God has placed eternity in your heart. I do. And sometimes I think we, we feel it, like when we put our heads down on the pillow just before we fall asleep and there's something deep inside of us that says this, there's got to be more to life than this. You know, there's got to be more hope. There's got to be more than this temporal existence that we're experiencing. And then Jesus stepped into human history and said, good to meet you. I'm the more you've been looking for. And spiritual humility, spiritual humility says this. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out. And when we do that, what we find is when we look at the story of Jesus, I call skeptics, I love skeptics, you probably know that about me, I love skeptics. Skeptics say, I don't think that's true, but I'm going to be diligent enough and courageous enough to find out. I love that. If you look at the story of Jesus, so often you see skeptics come to follow him. One great example is Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee, you know? They hated Jesus. But Nicodemus just took the time to, to look, to watch, to study, to listen, to hear. And he put his trust in Jesus. See, I think there's something inside of you and me that what we know at the core of our being is that we need the script flip. It's called Grace. I can't achieve it. I can only receive it. This more that I'm looking for, I can't achieve it. I can't strive for it. I can only receive it. I can only accept it. If you look at the story of Jesus that we're going to be continuing as the weeks go on, we're going to see that it wasn't skeptics who crucified Jesus. It was actually cynics. Cynics who said, I don't want that to be true. And I'm going to prove it to be false. There's a lot of cynics in our world today. Some of them are cynical because they've been waiting for the church, the church to extend this calling card of love, and they haven't seen it. And I just want to tell you, man, if you're here for the first time, join us for the first time online or the first time in a long, long time, and you've decided just to take that tentative step towards skepticism and out of cynicism, I'm so proud of you. 
I'm so proud of you because I think deep inside of all of us, we know I need that script flipped. So Jesus' invitation is this. Why don't you live in the light? You don't got to, but you get to. How do we get there? How do we get to kindness? How do we get to boldness? How do we get to being real? Just humility. Personal humility says this. The best is, the best is yet to come. It's not just theory, it's personal. Relational humility says we are better together, so I'm going to seek first to understand. And finally, spiritual humility says this. I really need it. I need that script. Flip. Let's pray. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads. So whether you're watching online or in person right now, my question for you is, how are you? I wonder if you're finding that there's an area of your life where you just feel stuck in. And maybe today is the day that God's just tapping you on the shoulder to have some personal humility. You get it in theory, but in moment to moment, just have the ability to understand that he's not nearly done with you yet. And it's such good news. Or maybe you find that the truth is you've been living a little bit in isolation. You want to repent of that. Seek first to understand. Finally, I wonder if today is the day that you've come to believe that you've come to understand, you've come to acknowledge that salvation is nothing that you can achieve. All you can do is receive it. That Jesus died for you. He rose again for you. To save you, yes, and to lead you one next step at a time. Be the truest version of you. Be the spouse that you were created to be, the parent you were created to be, the person you were created to be. Live today, tomorrow, and forever. So I want to give you that opportunity. If today is the day that you want to accept everything that Jesus did for you with all eyes bowed and all heads closed, you want to just raise your hand nice and high because I want to pray for you right now. If you're online right now, and you, it's safe to do so, I would love it if you could do the same thing. There's something powerful about making that outward expression. That's amazing. Amazing. If your hand is up, you can put it down. For those of you who raised your hand, I'm just going to pray out loud, and I invite you to pray quietly along with me. So Jesus, thank you that you didn't wait for me to earn it, but you came, you died, you rose again for me. I thank you. Today I ask that you would be my Savior. I give you my past, and I receive from you a brand new start. I, today, ask you to be my Lord. Thank you for flipping the script. I pray that you would give me the strength to step into everything that you have for me, and I could live in the light today, tomorrow, and forever. And Jesus, for all of us, no matter how long we've been in church, I pray that you would make us kind that the people in our families, the people in our neighborhoods, the people at work, the people at school, they might not believe what we believe, but they'll know, they'll never doubt that we believe what we say that we believe, that our calling card would be love. I pray that we would be bold, knowing that because of you, we can dare greatly. And finally, that we would be real, telling the truth, but becoming more and more like you every day. Thank you, Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Let's celebrate. Hey, I love you guys a lot. Next week, next week, one of the most famous quotes in the Bible, the truth.
We'll set you free. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.